to his will. So one of the reasons the writer of Hebrew emphasizes the superiority of Jesus and his revelation is to stress that those who have experienced salvation in him must not be careless about their commitment to him and what that commitment requires. The word here, drift, has nautical overtones in the Greek. It's as when a ship drifts past the harbor to shipwreck. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to the things that scripture speaks to us about and warns us about. Because neglect and apathy can be fatal. The apostolic gospel was and still is confirmed to us by the Lord himself. Jesus confirmed the gospel. And then the testimony of those who heard it and had known Jesus firsthand. And then it's proclamation of salvation by signs and wonders. So there was, this was not just a testimony of words, but a testimony of the spirit working and living among the people. The spirit that was given at the high cost and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so he says, how shall we escape if we neglect? so great a salvation neglect is visited with penalty the unrepentant murderer does not inherit eternal life for first john tells us for no murderer has eternal life abiding in him but the writer of hebrew tells us that neglect is enough to ruin us a man who owns a business does not need to commit tax fraud to ruin himself he need only neglect his business See, sin doesn't have to ruin us. Neglect will do it good enough. And most of the calamities of life are caused by simple neglect. By neglect, children grow up rebellious and disobedient. By neglect, a field of crops is overrun with weeds. By neglect, a house will fall prey to the environment and rot. There is nothing in earthly affairs that is valuable that will not be ruined if not attended to. How much more so the neglect of our souls. Neglect so great a salvation, not just by believing in Christ and repenting from an old fleshly, that old fleshly man, but the neglect of that spiritual walk and our commitment to the Lord after having been born again. When I was a kid, the best times of my life were spent with my grandmother in California. Um, most of y'all know I was raised by a single mom and, um, my grandmother fly me out to California every, every summer. And so I, most of what, uh, I learned, I learned from my grandmother, my values and morals I got from my grandmother. I loved being at my grandparents' house and they lived about 17 miles from the beach. They were in Santa Barbara County. Casey's, ooh, ooh. Uh, they lived in Santa Barbara County, uh, this place called Lompoc and it was just kind of up the hill. And so we would go down to the beach. We, we would go quite often. And my cousin and I, Al would spend hours in the water. Cause with a kid, you don't care how cold the Pacific ocean is. You will stay in there all day long till somebody tells you to get out. And then sometimes they have to even come in and drag you out. Right? So we would spend hours in the water. And I remember this one time and this one time just stuck out to me so much because Al and I were playing in the water for hours and there's a bunch of kids playing and we're, we're playing in the water. We weren't paying attention to our surroundings. And before we knew it, we were probably about a half a mile down the coast. We looked up, there was no one in sight. And at that point, as a kid, you get scared. There's no one in sight. We've been hours in the water, 
literally, and and the reason I think it was half a mile or so was because it took us 20 minutes to walk back to my grandma, maybe 30, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, you know, but it was this thing of, we were playing in the water for so long, not paying attention, playing with kids and just having a, just having a blast as kids do. We move down the coast. You look up, there's no one in sight. We get out of the water. See, we, we didn't realize that we'd been gone for a couple hours. My grandmother had called the beach patrol. There was cops there. They were looking for us. So we showed up. My grandma was crying. Where did you guys go? You know, my grandma's freaking out. And we're like, we're playing in the water right over there. Right over there, there, there. And it was a lesson for me. To drift means to be carried slowly by a current of air or water. And are we aware that there's a current right now that's trying to pull us in a certain direction? It's rarely the waves you have to worry about because those you can see and prepare for, it's what's under the water. It's the undercurrent that drags you, pulls you. And there's a spirit of deception that's at work in the world and it's strong at work. The spirit of antichrist and it's unyielding and it's forceful and it's requiring that you obey it. And some of us aren't aware of this current because we're too busy playing in the water. We're not paying attention and we're drifting away from safety. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He said, lest you drift away. So how do we avoid drifting? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Welcome. First thing is make a covenant with your eyes to not lust. Job said new in 31 verse one, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. We have to be content with where God has us and what he's doing in us. Because drifters desire things that are not meant for them. They're not content to stay within the parameters that God has set for their lives. And they refuse to operate within the field that God has given them. Always wanting and desiring more. Wanting more is not a bad thing. But desiring more or desiring things that are not meant for us can be a dangerous stumbling block. First John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Make a covenant with your eyes to not lust. Now this word lust is not just a sexual thing. It has to do with yearning and desiring things. You can lust for money. You can lust for power. You can lust for position. You can lust after ungodly relationships. You can lust after stuff. You can lust for more, just wanting more all the time, more, 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 a lust for food, a lust for your own way, a lust for success. Part of my life that, um, world, that, uh, uh, worldly success was the driving force behind why I did some things in my youth. 
wanting success, a worldly success for people to look at you and say, well, that person is successful. Most people don't know this, but I was supposed to be on ESPN. I had a, a, a friend that some of y'all might know. She's a little bit older. Her name was Corey Everson. She was a five-time Miss Olympia. And um, I was good friends with her. And she had an ESPN show that she was putting forth. And she wanted to me to be on this fitness show with her. And it was right after I had gotten saved. And I was like, yes, I want this because it fit. This would help me to succeed in life. I was going to be successful to the world. I was going to look a certain way to certain people. God took it from me, praise God, because he knows better than I do. He didn't give me that. Because there's a difference between worldly success and godly success. And these don't look the same. Because when we look at the prophets, when we look at the New Testament apostles, by the world standards, these people were not successful. And so we look at success, and that can be a driving force. That can be a desire and when we desire worldly success, it, 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 all, it only drives us further from the ways and wills of God. And a lust is longing especially for what is forbidden. And it comes from the root word that means to set your heart upon. It's to set our heart upon something. In Mark 4.19, it says the cares and anxieties of the world... And distractions of this age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things, not named. So that that kind of includes a lot of other things. Creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless in our life. So we have to say, what are we setting our eyes upon? Have you made a covenant with your eyes? What are you allowing yourself to look at? What are you allowing yourself to look upon and desire? And what do you admire? Because what we admire, we will be attracted to. If we admire success, if we admire money, if we admire those things, we'll be attracted to those things. And the person who gives into lust shows that they are unrestrained. They're an unrestrained person. And, and the thing about God is that God restrains. In fact, the church is the restraining influence that's holding back that antichrist lawless spirit during this time. So we are to restrain And we are not only to restrain the wickedness and evil in the world, but we are to operate in that self-control on a personal basis. And what we see as Satan is that Satan never restrains himself. So when our lusts and desires run freely, we show that kinship to that antichrist spirit. Make a covenant with your eyes. The second part of that is be single focused. Make a covenant with your eyes to be single focused. Because the drifter is aimless. Right? Think about drifting, right? They're aimless. Where are they going? They're aimless. Shooting off arrows in every direction, never hitting the mark. And they're apathetic about what really matters because they're too busy pursuing everything else to pay attention. 
They cannot stay focused because their heart is divided, always desiring more. And one of Satan's biggest tactics is distractions. In Matthew 6, 22 through 23, Jesus is talking here and he says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, in the King James it says single, if it's single means, um, I'll explain that in a minute, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So the sentiment here is stated in the preceding verses, um, verses 19 through 21. She says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and still, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and still for where your treasure is there, your heart will also be. So then what Christ is saying here is that the duty of fixing the affections on heavenly things, Jesus proceeds to illustrate by a reference to the, our eye. Okay. So when the eye is directed steadily toward an object, this is single vision. We have a single vision and it's in health. Everything is clear and plain, but if it vibrates, if it's flying back to, to different objects, right? If it's going all over the place, it's not fixed on something on, on nothing singly or it's diseased. Nothing is clear. Everything is dim and confused, right? Therefore the man is unsteady, right? When the James tells us a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Why? Cause he's not single-minded. He's not single focused. Now the eye, maybe some of y'all know this, but the eye regulates the motion of a, of the body. To have an object distinctly in view is necessary in order to correct and regulate action. So if you take a tightrope walker, they will place their vision on a single object as they're walking the tightrope. And, and they, they will be able to keep their body going that way and they will be stable as they cross the rope. But if they start looking down and start looking around, they get wobbly and they'll fall. Right. Same thing with a man crossing a stream on a log. If he, if he points to an object, if he has an object in mind, he will stay straight on the log. But if he starts looking down and looking at the river, he's in danger of falling. Okay. It's the same thing. I tell people like if you're doing an exercise, right. And this is the one I think, I, you know, I'm kind of not wearing the shoes to do exercises, but if you're doing lunges, right. And then these are lunges, you know, you go like this or you go down like this and If you're trying to do a lunge and you're looking everywhere, you start shaking. But if you will focus on one object and do a lunge, you can stay, um, you can stay steady. Why? Because the eye is, um, uh, has to do with our action. Okay. So when, when our eye is focused on the spot on the wall, it has an effect on our body. It controls the body's movement. This is what Jesus is saying. So in order that the conduct may be right, it's important to fix our affections on one thing. Otherwise your body's going to be moving, shaking all over the place. And what does he say? That one thing is, he said, heaven. Having our affections there, having the eye of faith, single, steady, unwavering, all the conduct will correspond to that. Are you single focused in your aim? 
See, Paul was successful because he had one aim in his life. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of you who are mature think this way. So he says, if you're mature in the faith, you need to think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. He said, and if you don't, God needs to reveal to you that you're not thinking the right way. <laughs> Only let us hold true to what we have attained. In Colossians chapter 3, he says, if, the, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. He's telling them the same thing where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on this earth. So he says, be single minded, be single focused, focus on the things that are remaining, that are eternal, that have to do with Christ, that have to do with heaven, that are lasting. Because he says, none of this other stuff is lasting. And where's our treasure? Because he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Right? Where, where's your treasure? Are you storing up things here on earth that fade? Or is your focus on those things that are eternal? And, and what distractions are allowing, are you allowing to keep you from what he has called you to? What distractions do you allow in your life? Only you know that. And we have to remember, busyness is not effectiveness. We can be busy all over the place, but sometimes these can be distractions because it's not what God is asking us to do. It's not what God is calling us to. The next thing to avoid drifting, we have to counteract Satan's strategy. So a drifter is unaware of what's going on around them. And they're under, they're not aware of the current beneath them. They're not aware of their surroundings. We need to be aware of Satan. We need to be aware of his tactics. We need to be aware of what he's doing. And Satan uses deception. That's all he knows how to do is to lie and deceive. And this is that undercurrent. It's an undercurrent. It's deception. And, and, and some of us are being swept away with deception that's taking place because people cannot discern the times. They're being swept away. And we are being groomed like a predator grooms an innocent child. The enemy is grooming the world to acquiesce to his plan. And it's under the skies of, oh, love your neighbor. Why? Because the spirit of Christ is deception. Satan doesn't come as this ugly red devil and is like, ooh, eh, you know. He, it, the Bible says that he comes as an angel of light. He comes deceiving and he looks good and he looks at peace. In Revelation 13, it says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb. This means that he looked peaceful. Like a lamb, he was gentle and he was kind. 
And people are deceived because they, they don't understand. They're looking at him and he spoke like a dragon, but they didn't recognize it because they're looking at him. They're looking at the deception and saying, oh, but look, he looks so good. He's loving and he's gentle and he's kind. That's the spirit of Antichrist. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs, which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He deceives. That's what he does. That's what he's here for. He's, he's, he comes to deceive. And you will drift away from your place of safety if you're not aware of the current of deception. You have to swim against the crowd because the crowd is going the way of destruction. Matthew 24, 24 for false Christ and false prophets will arise and they will show great signs and wonders. So as to deceive and lead astray, if possible, even the elect God's chosen ones. So Jesus tells us that there will be false prophets and, and there will be false Christ and they will show great signs and they will deceive people. Because Satan's job is to deceive. That's what he's done. He's good at it. He's been doing it for centuries. He's been deceiving humanity. And he says, if possible. Now, what's interesting about the Greek language is that this word if is not in the Greek language. And so it presents it as an actual reality. So it's not saying if possible. It's saying having been made possible, even the elect would be deceived. It's a very real warning for us to not be deceived, to not, to, to hold on to our salvation, to do everything, to stay where God has us. And we counteract his strategy, Satan's strategy, by knowing the word of God. Folks, and to know God's word, you must read it. Put it in your heart, memorize it, believe it, and live it. If you just come in and, and, you know, it's like read a devotion, which your devotions are good, but it's not the word of God. If you just read a devotion and maybe a verse for the day and go about your day, you're, you're, you're not knowing God's word. And you will be deceived if you do not know God's word. I'm telling you right now. You will think things that are loving because you do not know the word of God. You will think things are true because you do not know the word of God. You will think erroneous things about Jesus. There was an article going around. I know some of y'all saw it, right? And it was taught, it was a Barna study and it was saying 30% of evangelicals do not believe that Jesus is God. 30% of those claiming to be Christ. That's, that's those claiming to, to be a Christian, to know the Lord, right? And, and when I look at things, when I look at um, pastors that are coming out and saying that the Old Testament's not for today, that uh, honestly, they, they, the same pastor's almost saying the New Testament's not really for today. We just need to concentrate on the, the experience of the cross. And they're doing away with God's word. And so they, they, you will not know what God says about something. You won't know what God feels about something because God still has laws. 
He still has rules. He still has boundaries. He still requires obedience. You know, the, the, the sad state of the church is that the marriage and divorce, the divorce rate in the church is as high as the world. And, and that should say something to, um, most of us because the standard, now everybody tries to find a loophole. Everybody tries to find it, but what about this? But what about this? And they want this loophole. The standard of God's marriage is one man and one woman together until death do them part. That's the standard. Oh, but, but, but this and but that. No, stop finding loopholes. That's the standard. Premarital sex is godless. That's the standard. But but it's so rampant in the American church. Why? Because people don't know the word of God. It's not for today. And your ignorance of truth has corrupted your mind that you don't even recognize sin anymore. Because this is what people will say. I determine what truth is. I determine what is male and what is female. I determine what family is. I determine my own sexual norms. I will do according to my pleasure, my rules, my law, my free will. And, and, and I understand if that's what the world is saying. But when Christians start to say that, we've got a big problem. Grace is not an excuse to sin. And we can't claim ignorance because we are responsible for knowing God's word, especially when it's so been so readily available to us here in the United States. And are you willing to stand against the current and be set apart? I saw this meme going around. I've been trying to stay off Facebook a lot because it's... And there's some craziness out there. You know, you can't unfriend people and hide people. So there's that. <clears throat> I saw this and it was, um, it was a picture of Nazi Germany. And, and there was a, a big crowd in the picture and there was, they, they kind of um, honed in on one area of this crowd. And, you know, the whole crowd is doing this, right? There's one man like this in the midst of the crowd. And it says, be different. Don't go with the crowd. Stand apart. Especially when it's godless. Right? and, And that current is bringing, is pushing people a certain way. It's bringing people a certain way. And we are called to be different. We are called to be separated. We are called to step out. We are called to be the one standing in the midst of Nazi Germany, folding our hands, saying, not, not on my watch. I'm not doing that. That's godless. I'm not, I'm not giving into that. I'm not going that way. I'm not doing what you're doing. I'm single focused. My mind is on Christ. And we counteract Satan's strategy by shutting our ears 
to the lies of the enemy and giving them to the spirit. Hebrews here says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. What was he talking about? He was talking about the word of God. He was talking about all the letters that had been written, the Old Testament prophets, the law and the prophets, those things that we've heard, we need to give more attention to now. Otherwise, we risk drifting away from our safe harbor. Shut your ears to the lies. For goodness sake, shut off the media. (laughs) Did you know the word media is from the word medium? Because a medium was something that was like a go-between, right? So you have the person... Um, the person that's saying something, then you have a medium, the news that was supposed to relay what this person said to the people as a medium, right? But what's another word for medium? Sorcery, right? And, and, and so the media now, everybody, oh, oh, I, I mean, there's so much stuff going on. You don't, you, you don't know, even know, you can't distinguish truth from lies anymore. And even trying to dig for facts, everything's covered up. I'm not, a, you know, I, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theory here, but you know, shut off the news. <laughs> Stop listening to the media. What does God's word say? What does God's word say about it? Cause that's what we're going to be held accountable to. The Lord's not going to say, well, you know, on CNN, I was trying to get through to you. (laughs) Who are you hanging out with and allowing to speak into your life? Because not everyone's a friend. What podcast do you listen to? Because you can find anyone that preaches a gospel that fits your opinion. And the writer of Hebrews says, how shall we escape? How shall we escape if we neglect our salvation? And there's no need to fear man. There's no need to fear the enemy's attacks and schemes. There's no need to fear Satan. Satan can only do what God allows, but you better fear the judgment of God. How shall we escape? Matthew 10:28 Jesus said, "Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul." So don't be, you don't you don't you don't fear man, you don't fear any devil, you don't fear anything on this earth. But he says, "Fear only God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell." And we fear God by obeying his word. When we live within the context of God's word, when we walk according to the spirit, we, we, we don't have anything to fear. But when we neglect things, we need to be warned that we could slip past, we could drift past that safe harbor And fall into destruction. 
please close your eyes. And I just want to give you a minute to respond to the word tonight. If you know there's a place that you've drifted away, or if there's a place that you're neglecting, right? Sin doesn't have to ruin you. Neglect is good enough. If there's a place you're neglecting in your spiritual walk, if it's prayer, if it's fellowship, if it's attending services, those things that the, the word of God tells us that we should be doing, these are for our good. These are to help us in our spiritual walk. These are to build us up. And we should be doing these things, not neglecting those things. And if you're neglecting somewhere, just ask the Lord for forgiveness and ask him to show you how to give more attention to those things. And if you're watching tonight and you don't know the Lord If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you this opportunity. The Holy Spirit is here. The Bible says if you would confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Tonight you can be made a new creation in Jesus Christ. Jesus said you must be born again. And how is that possible? You you turn away from your sin. You ask for forgiveness and ask the Lord just to come and live inside you. He's longing to do that. He's longing to make you whole. He's waiting for you. If you're a prodigal and you felt so far away from God, just run to him tonight. There's no guilt. There's no shame. Just come to your senses and run back to him. He's waiting for you with open arms. He will never turn you away. He's waiting for you. Just respond to him tonight, wherever you're at. If you need to get on your floor Cry out to him. He's waiting to respond. Don't let those things drift away. Don't slip by. Don't neglect. Don't neglect your salvation. Don't neglect your soul. Father God, I thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for this word. Thank you for speaking to us by your word, Father God. And then, and in this, in this time, in this season, Father, it is so needed, God. Help us to stay the course that you have us on, Father. Watch our feet. Keep us on that path. We just praise you and thank you for all you do for us, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. We have service on Sunday, 9 a.m., parking lot service, 11 o'clock. We will have uh, indoor service, and um, I believe we're going to have a sign-up again online, or you can get tickets online, and we'll have um, uh, 50 people come in. So if you need to come in, some of you older people want to come inside, you can do that at the 11 o'clock service. So um, that's Sunday. I think that's all the announcements that I have. Pastor Todd, any more announcements? No, we're good. All right. Good. Thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you. Have a good night.